Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, May 22nd. Further advice for women. Because it comes more naturally to you to be personal, concentrate on developing an intimate I and thou relationship with God. Serve Him in personal ways. Create a beautiful altar. Surround yourself with inspiring spiritual images. Enjoy nature's beauties as God's gift to you personally. Now here we are talking about developing the yin side of our nature. And if we're naturally inclined this way, we can run this way. And if we see it as a necessary balance, we can run this way. When Swamiji was a young monk and he came to live with Master in the uh, Mount Washington headquarters of SRF, um, Master put him, originally they were building a building um, at the Hollywood Church. I think they were building India Center. I may have the details wrong, but I think that's what it was. And Swami was put on a construction crew. And Swami was an intellectual and an artistic person, and he just hadn't, it wasn't that he was averse to physical work, it's just it wasn't his natural inclination. And he was raised in a family where that, that just wasn't, it wasn't how he was brought up. His father was a geologist. His mother was a violinist. Um, but there he was. He was perfectly happy. He was a 22-year-old man. He was, well, first of all, he was so ecstatic to have found his guru to be in the ashram. Swami just said he just basically laughed all the time. And he didn't really care what work he was doing. He would have done anything for the rest of his life. But it was all new to him. And he, had, uh, he didn't have that much natural talent for it. I, I presume he exaggerated a little, but he talked about when he would have to hammer in a nail, he would hit his thumb or his other part of his hand like nine times before he'd actually hit the nail. And when he was finally transferred off of that construction site, he said to the construction foreman, who was a professional who'd been brought in to supervise, well, I sure learned a lot on this job. And the foreman just looked at him incredulously. <laughs> really? He said, as if to say, oh my gosh, what it would have been like if you'd learned nothing? <laughs> because he just didn't have the talent for it. And Master, after Swami had proved his good attitude or whatever was required for him to do that, Master gave him the job of um, answering letters from the students, answering their questions. He gave him all of the correspondence lessons to read all at once so he could study and learn it, so he could answer the questions, and so that he could grade the students' quizzes and give advice and all of this. And Swami just said it wasn't that he wasn't happy doing the construction work, but he was always going somewhat against his own grain. When Master gave him more word-oriented, Swami had been, aspired to be a playwright and a writer and a poet. When Master had him start using words and using the talents that he that was the natural flow, he found that his attunement and his, his devotion, it was easier because it was going with the current of who he was. Now, I'm going to put a caveat in here. Most of the time, flowing with what, what we're natural, what's natural to us is good for us. But there are exceptions. If, for example, a person has, let's say, a great capacity to sing well, 
but one has a lot of ego involvement in being able to sing. The cultivation of that natural talent might actually be spiritually very unwholesome for you. So it isn't always a good thing to go with what you're good at. Just I'm just putting that in as a condition. But generally speaking, when we flow with where the energy is flowing, it's a good idea. Or if we specifically want to cultivate it, which is where I'm saying, here we have the yin attitude. And the yin attitude tends to be personal. Female, the female energy tends to be personal. Um, we're associated with relationships. The, traditionally, the female energy, the female energy keeps the home. The yin creates the home. The female births and, and nurtures the children. And whether what, whatever the body is, the yin energy, that's what it does. It thinks in terms of us, of you and me, and how can I serve you? How can I take care of you? I've never raised children myself. Um, I have a nephew, and when he, he's now a grown man, but when he was a small boy, he would often come and spend several weeks with me during his school holidays. And I totally enjoyed jumping into the, the yin role. Most of my life, I've been, a, I've been in an entrepreneurial sort of partnership with the people around me. So I've been more of the gang energy. But all of a sudden, there's this small boy in the house who I'm very fond of. And I, I get to be all the yin things that a mother gets to be. You know, he has to be feet fed and clothed and comforted and taken here and there. And it was absolutely delightful. I just, I loved every bit of it, even though I'm glad that I didn't spend more of my life doing that. But it was wonderful to do it. Just to live in that simple, that part of your heart. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to live. And it's practice for loving God. And so when we want to cultivate, and Swami's saying, if, to take the, if, the, if your inclination is yin, then flow with that. Let, be, let that be the kind of artist you become. He talks about making a beautiful altar, which is just thinking about all the ways in which I can be feminine in the way I make things. Swami remarked that he, in a period of his life when he had been expelled from the, uh, from the monastery where he lived, after, the, after Master died, Swami lived for another 10 years in that ashram, but then ultimately they, there was, it was a strong incompatibility with the leadership there, and he was out on his own. And while he was trying to figure out what to do with his life, because there he was 36, and he'd been a monk since he, in that monastery since he was 22, and he had to just like figure out what next. This was the interlude before he started Ananda. He went to a Catholic monastery in Big Sur called New Kamaldales, and it was a contemplative order, and uh, he was a guest there. He was a guest there for six months. They were kind enough to give him refuge. And he remarked that the altar cloth was on the altar inside out, <laughs> that it was the wrong side of the altar cloth, and he laughed because he thought, you know, that would never happen if it was all women there somebody would have noticed that it was inside out. But the men just never noticed that it was inside out. Swami had sufficient yin in him that he noticed right away. <laughs> but seemingly the other monks didn't. And I don't know whether it was the whole six months or just part of the time. But the yin energy wants to make a beautiful home. And, and Swami he uses that word, serve him, serve God in personal ways. Now, that's a very interesting just statement in itself, because God isn't a person. I mean, meaning that it, unless unless you are in 
um, direct physical proximity to the one you consider to be your guru or the one you consider to be the source of your inspiration, which you might be, but serve him in personal ways. In other words, make everything you do a personal service to him in, in, uh, in a traditional husband-wife relationship in India. They say, you know, the, the husband serves the wife as a personification of divine mother. The wife serves the husband as the personification of the, of the heavenly father. So rather than serving the people in your life, serve them as if they are, because they are, the manifestation of the divine to you. Even your own children, they're not your children. They're souls for whom you have been given a certain amount of responsibility and you need to serve them for the sake of their souls, for the sake of the divine within them. And this way, even your little service to other people can be a service to God. And God is always watching. He's always paying attention. Um, Swamiji was very touched by a very devotional monk when Swami was working on that construction project. And he was very struck by how this monk made was so careful to make the inside of the walls, which no one would ever see, also just perfect the way he made them. And Swami made some remark about how it'll never show. But the monk said to Swami, but God sees it. And of course that's true. God sees everything. So if, if your guru, if your guardian angel, if Divine Mother herself, whatever image works for you, were, were in the room, how would you do it? I, I had this experience, it was, very, it was very instructive to me, when I was first, um, let's see, when I was first working at um, the meditation retreat for Ananda, um, and Swami Kriyananda gave service every other Sunday, and I had, and at that time, the community would come to the temple for Sunday service, and then we would all have lunch together afterwards. And I was in charge of cooking lunch. And Swamiji would come and give the Sunday service every other Sunday. On the Sundays that Swamiji was going to be there, I would, I would plan the meal very carefully. I, it would always be as elaborate and as lovely as I was able to make it. I would get, come into the kitchen early. You know, I just put out all this extra effort to make it very nice because he was there. Then on the Sundays that he wasn't there, I mean, I, it was still, it was an okay meal. I never, I never deliberately did it badly, but I didn't put out nearly as much energy to make it excellent and lovely. And I did this for a number of months. And then it crossed my mind, number one that crossed my mind is that I don't think Swami would be pleased. Where I was trying to do it, you know, to please him, I don't think he would be pleased. Because, well, for obvious reasons. It's like God is always present. And yes, it, it's only natural. I had so much gratitude for all that he was giving me in my life. If I had the, the, the simple opportunity to cook him lunch, I wanted to, in some way, um, express my gratitude to him. But he was equally present every other Sunday. Divine Mother was equally present every other Sunday. And what also was most interesting about it, of course, is when I started putting the same quality of energy into every Sunday, I began to feel better. Because I began to feel, I began to be thinking about the divine all the time. 
instead of just thinking, oh, when Swami's in the room, I'll be good. <laughs> but when he's not in the room, I'll just revert back to whatever mediocre self I had been before. It, and over a long period of time, well, not so long, I began to appreciate that one of the reasons I enjoyed so much being in Swami's company was because it elevated me. It, 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 it forced me to operate at a higher level of myself. That's what I mean. Because I, I was motivated to do it. I was, he was, for among other things, you know, he was wide awake and he was attentive and I had to be pretty wide awake and attentive just to be able to keep up. It was just required of me in order to be able to keep up. I had to be wide awake and attentive. And, and then when I began to discover was being wide awake and attentive was really wonderful. And so the experience, the incentive was there because of the personal relationship, but the experience became that high, attentive, aware energy is far more gratifying than, than the opposite or less than that. So this is a yin experience. This is a, if I make this personal, if I am, am doing this, but I'm making it beautiful because Divine Mother is watching. And if I can have this conversation with her all the time, I'm doing this for you. Aren't these flowers beautiful? Which would you like? You know, this is, these are the ones that are beautiful to you. Sister Gyanamata, who is Master's most advanced woman disciple, um, and she's one of those examples. She was a free soul. She was completely liberated, but she had a very yin mission. She was just completely behind the scenes, but her spiritual greatness was complete. And she, she was, uh, before she met Master, she was uh, a married woman with a son, raising a son, and her husband was the dean of the law school at uh, a, a university in Seattle, a law school in Seattle. And um, Master came to Seattle to give classes, and she became acquainted with him, and he came to her home. And she had, she was already a profound truth seeker, and she had a, a room in her house that was her meditation and her devotional room. And Master came up and stood in that room and talked to her. And he stood at a certain point and he looked out the window. She lived in that house for 15 or 20 years after that, I believe. I believe it was that long, perhaps not quite. But in any case, as long as she lived in that house, she kept a vase of flowers on the floor at the spot where Master had stood, and if and a, a vase of orange flowers, because he had stood there in an orange robe. And in season, if she could get them, she had fresh flowers. And when she couldn't get fresh orange flowers, she had artificial flowers. Interestingly, just recently, the house where Gyanamata lived, is it's a private home and a family lives in there now. But uh, enough devotees have gone to that house, apparently, there's a hardwood floor in the room where Master stood, and there's a water stain because the vase sat there for so long, and from time to time, obviously, water would spill or seep through, that there's a water stain. So you can go in the room, you can see exactly where she kept the vase. Now, that's a very, very yin thing to do, you know, because a a, a yang personality would just feel master's consciousness. Maybe they would have a feeling that he'd been in this room. But the yin would mark the spot on the floor and put a flower there. Just It, it would make the relationship very personal. And in fact, Yanamata also said this wonderful thing. She wrote to master, there's a series of letters in a book called um, 
God Alone. A beautiful book. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. And she wrote to Master about, I understand, sir, that you were an avatar sent by Babaji and Jesus, and this is written in Autobiography of a Yogi, you know, to, to show the unity of all religions, to, to bring in Dwapara Yuga. I'm adding to Yanamata's letter. It was much smaller than this. But it was, I know that you have a world-changing mission, and all of that is why you were born. But then she said, but I like to think you came just for me. And that is also true. Master in Autobiography of a Yogi tells the story of um, sitting in the storeroom of the, the, the school for boys that he was running at that time in his early 20s. And he had a vision. He had a vision of hundreds, probably thousands of faces. And he tells the story somewhat whimsically, but in fact he knew what his destiny was. And he said he saw all these faces and they were Western faces. And he said, these must be Americans. I'm being called to America. He already knew he was going to be called to America, but that's that was the signal that it was time. And he had the vision in the morning, and by the afternoon he was on his way to America. I mean, not literally on the boat, but on his way to America. He put the school in the hands of the other teachers, and he set out to America. And at the end of his life, one of the disciples said, Sir, of all those faces that you saw in your vision, have you met them all? Almost all, Master said, I'm just waiting for one or two more. And in the last few days of Master's life, one or two more people came. And then he left his body. It was done. So the, the infinite, as Swamiji often puts it, to be omnipresent, it, it embraces both the infinite and the infinitesimal. It's just such a, a fabulous way to put it. So when Gyanamata says to him, you know, I know you came to transfer the, for the, for the world, trans, transform the world. And of course, Gyanamata was all for it. She was there to help him. For 20 years, she suffered in her body, and it was not her karma. It was the karma for everyone else. She had her own disciples that she was helping, and she was definitely giving her life for Master's work. And doing tapasya to help her gurus work joyfully. This is a very esoteric part of the path, how a great soul can use their body to, to, to do tapasya, to gather energy, and even to resolve karma that is not their own karma. This is how the gurus and the great souls help people like us. So she had all that in her, but nonetheless, her relationship with Master was a yin relationship. Here's where he stood. Here's where I'm going to keep the flowers. You know, yes, sir, I, I, I'm all in favor of your world-transforming mission. But really, the part of it that I concentrated on is, you came for me. Isn't that beautiful? And isn't it just wonderful how it all fits together to make this perfect whole? So, Swamiji says, further advice for women. Because it comes more naturally to you to be personal, concentrate on developing an intimate I and thou relationship with God. Serve him in personal ways. Create a beautiful altar. Surround yourself with inspiring spiritual images. 
enjoy nature's beauties as God's gift to you personally. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.